You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. If you take your Bibles, please, to 2 Chronicles 34. Brother uh, Dan taught in Sunday school today from 2 Chronicles 7, a very powerful uh, lesson on the subject of a recipe for revival. And I believe more than ever, I believe we must get back to God and we must get back to the Bible. If you think, if you think that a politician is the answer, I've got news for you, you're wrong. And I'm thankful we've got politicians. I'm thankful Brother Michael Ray is our state representative and I think you ought to pray for him, but he'll, he'll tell you, you talk to him. Uh, it's going to take more than just Raleigh to turn this thing around it's going to take more than washington dc to turn this thing around it is god said as brother dan taught this morning if my people god's people uh, which are called by his name will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways we must get back to god i want you to notice in second chronicles 34 and i'll give you a little bit of background but there was something very tragic that was happening in the nation of judah what was happening was that God's people had gotten so far away from him and it didn't happen overnight. I'll say in our country, it hasn't happened overnight that we've gotten into this spot. Uh, is it any wonder that for all these years we've been teaching our children, not us I hope, but we've been teaching our children that you were not created by a creator, you came from a monkey. You came from an accident, you came from a big bang, you're not responsible, you're not accountable. Is it any wonder that for all these years we've said that God is not allowed in our schools and prayer is not allowed in our, our public places? And is it any wonder now that we are seeing such chaos and we are seeing such violence and we're seeing such anger? I don't think it's a coincidence. And by the way, I think we're going to see a lot more of it until God's people get back to him. Second Chronicles 34 is our text, but we're going to go back another chapter or so because I want you to see something very tragic had happened in Judah. They had gotten away from God. King Hezekiah had been on the throne, and after Hezekiah, his son Manasseh became the king. Remember Hezekiah and remember how that Hezekiah uh, did some good things and he sought God. But after Hezekiah, Manasseh became the king. And the Bible says in chapter 33 that he reigned for 55 years. I tell you, there was a lot of damage that was done from a wicked king for 55 years. That's a long time. Would you notice in 2 Chronicles 33, we'll begin reading in verse number 3. I want you to see what this king was doing in a land that should have been God-fearing. It says in verse 3, for he built again the high places. Now we're going to come back to that. But it says he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. And he reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshiped all the host of heaven and served them. We're not talking about a heathen nation. We're not talking about someone who did not know God. We're talking about the people of God, the people of Judah. And this king, he built the high places. He began to uh, build altars to worship Baal and the, the groves, and they worshiped all the host of heaven. Verse number 
5, it says, And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. You see how far they'd gone. They took what was, and I understand in the Old Testament, it was not a, a church house like what we have, but the Old Testament, they had a temple. It's where they worship God. It's where they sacrifice to God. And this king went into the, the house of God and he set up altars for false gods. We get to verse number nine. He said that he made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err. They made grave, serious errors and mistakes, and they did worse than the heathen. Verse 10, the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. The Bible goes on to say that later Manasseh got right with God, and I'm glad he did. It says in verse 15 that he took away the strange gods. And by the way, that goes back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That was Old Testament, but can I tell you, it's applicable in 2020. There should not be anything or anybody or any person or, or anything that would take the place of God. It says in verse number 16 that Manasseh repaired the altar of the Lord, and I'm glad he did. That was a good thing. But notice with me in verse 17. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places, yet unto the Lord their God only. Now, hang on. They got some things right. They repaired the altars. They rebuilt the altars. And then they went back to the high places. The Bible says, but at least they worshiped God in the high places. You know, like that's at least not as bad as it used to be. Verse number 19 the Bible says his prayer also and how God was entreated of him and all his sin and his trespass and the places wherein he built high places and set up groves and graven images before he was humbled. Behold, they are written in, among the sayings of the seers. It's recorded Manasseh's sin. You don't have to turn there, but in Leviticus 26, verse 30, God warned his people. He said, I will destroy your high places. Numbers 22, the Bible says that God brought him up into the high places, excuse me, Balak uh, was brought up into the high places of Baal. These high places, these, these spots were used to worship pagan gods and false gods, and yet here we find in 2 Chronicles 34 that God's people are using these high places. They're worshiping false gods. They're, they're in some cases worshiping the true God, but they're not doing it God's way. Deuteronomy 12, God made it very clear. He said, ye shall utterly destroy all the high places wherein the nations which ye shall possess, they serve their gods and upon the high mountains and the high hill and under every green tree. 1 Kings 3, I know we're doing a lot of introduction, but please stay with me. It says in 1 Kings 3, only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. This was the time of Solomon. God used Solomon to build a temple. Remember, David made all the preparations, and then Solomon executed the plan. He built the temple. But notice this verse, 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 3. It says, and Solomon loved the Lord. That's a good thing to do. We should love the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David his father only, he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Now, hang on, we're going somewhere because in 2 Chronicles 34, 
Josiah becomes king and he tears down the high places. But for all of these years in Israel and Judah's history, the high places had been a place where God's people had gone sometimes in sincerity, sometimes well-meaning, sometimes it was their desire, we want to worship God and we want to do what's right, but it always led away from God. It always led away from the true God. We see that God's people had built a temple like God wanted them to do, but they were still worshiping in the high places. Again, this may have been done out of a sincere heart, but I want to remind us that you and I, we can be sincere and still be sincerely wrong. If we are sincere and we're well-meaning, but we are not following God's word, then there is a problem, and that problem needs to be addressed. The high places for God's people had become a place where they got away from God. The details and instructions and guidelines were given to God's people on how they should sacrifice and how they should worship. And the priests had rules and the priests had guidelines. And there were certain ways that God desired to be worshipped. That's nothing new today, friend. You see, if we're going to worship God, Matthew chapter 6 reminds us that we are to worship God in spirit. That means we ought to worship God from our heart. But we're also supposed to worship God in truth. That means not everything goes. You can't do what you want to do, and I can't do what I want to do and say, well, it's just the way I want to worship God. Well, I got news for you. God has given us in his word how he desires to be worshiped. And he desires to be worshiped in our spirit and from our heart. But he also desires to be worshiped in truth. He desires to be worshiped in holiness. God wants to be worshiped and he wants to be worshiped in the way that he has laid out, not the way that we think we should do it. Josiah becomes king, but before Josiah, there was Manasseh. He was the king for 55 years. After Manasseh, Ammon became king. The Bible says that Ammon did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh his father. For Ammon sacrificed unto the carved images which Manasseh his father had made. The Bible says in verse 23 that Ammon, he trespassed more and more. That's what Josiah is following. He's following Manasseh for 55 years. He's following Ammon who did worse than his father. And now Josiah becomes king. I want you to notice in 2 Chronicles 34, we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one in 30 years. And he did that which was, what's the next word? Right in the sight of the Lord. That's what we're lo looking for. That's what we're talking about this morning. Not doing what's right in your own eyes. Not doing what somebody thought was a good idea 20 years ago, but doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. It says in verse number two, and he walked in the ways of David, his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the Lord God of David, his father. Lord, would you speak to us? I've tried to lay some groundwork, and I want our people this morning to realize that the nation of Judah was in trouble. They had gotten so far away from you. 
They had worshipped idols. They had worshipped false gods. They had gotten away from worshipping you the way you desired to be worshipped. But God, I thank you that a young man by the name of Josiah came along and said something's got to change. Something's got to give. Something's got to be different. And God, I pray that you'd give us some Josiahs. I pray you'd give us some young men and some young ladies and give us some families and give us some husbands and wives and grandparents that would say that we are going to do it the way that God intended for us to do it. I pray you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go quickly. Number one, I want you to see the deeds of Josiah. When he was eight years old, the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I'm glad that Josiah didn't decide to wait till he was an adult. I'm glad he didn't say, well, when I'm in my 20s or when I'm in my 30s or I'm in my 40s or 50s, I'll live for God then. Friend, I want to tell you, if you're here today and you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and I don't think we have anybody here older than 60, but, you know, that was a compliment for some of you. But can I say, I hope you're living for God right now. But if you're here this morning and you are four and five and six and seven and eight and 10 and 12 and 14 and 16 and 18, whatever it is, Live for God right now. Make the decision to say, I'm not waiting till I get older, but by the grace of God, I'm going to live for God today. Josiah made the decision when he was eight years old. I, now, I know, I know we think, well, you know, he didn't really understand. Well, obviously, he understood he didn't want to do it like Manasseh. He understood he didn't want to do it like Ammon. He understood he didn't want to do it like the wicked kings. And he said, as an eight-year-old boy, I am going to do what is right. Lacey's down here on the front. Savannah's sitting back here. Lacey and Savannah are eight years old. And can I tell you, my prayer for them at eight years old is that they would live for God while they're eight. Josiah at eight years old, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I want all the eight-year-olds to stand up. If you are eight years old, would you stand up? Oh my, here we go. We've got some eight-year-olds. They're not standing very quickly. Here we go. All right, we've got some. Can I tell you, you can live for God and you can make the choices that are right when you're eight years old. Let's give the eight-year-olds a big hand. You may be seated. Number one, I see the deeds. Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. You see, God is watching. God sees what we do. It matters to God, and it should matter to us. Number two, I see the direction. It says that he walked in the ways of David, his father. Now, I wonder, what if David, King David, the man after God's own heart, what if David had not set a good example? Can I tell you, Josiah would not have had somebody to follow because his daddy was wicked and his granddaddy was wicked and Josiah needed a David who he could say, I'm following that guy. I'm walking after him. Oh, we need some Josiahs, but I'll tell you, we need some Davids. We need some parents and we need some Sunday school teachers and we need some faithful deacons and we need some faithful people that'll say, I know somebody is coming after me and with God's help, I want to set a direction that they can follow. 
somebody's walking in your way. Somebody is following down the path. Make sure you take the right path like David did. Number one, the deeds. Number two, the direction. The Bible says that Josiah declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. He didn't get distracted. He maintained a proper balance. He stayed on the straight and narrow way. I'll tell you, it's difficult in 2020 to live for God as a Christian and not get distracted because we have enemies. We have the world and the flesh and the devil, and everybody is trying to distract. You know what Satan loves to do? I said it a few weeks ago. If he can't destroy you, if he can't discourage you, then he'll just distract you. He'll just take your eyes off of what you are supposed to be doing. I see Josiah's deeds. I see his direction. But number three, I see his desire. The Bible says in the eighth year of his reign. Now, I'm not very good at math, but if he started his reign when he was eight, that means eight years later, he was 16. Now, where are our 16-year-olds? Would you please stand all over the tent? 16. Oh, we don't have any 16-year-olds. Oh, here we go. All right, good, all right. Now, these are the folks I want you to be aware of if you see them out on the roads driving. No, I'm just kidding. We'll let the 16-year-olds be seated. Can I tell you what's exciting to me about the 16-year-olds? Is something happened when Josiah was 16. When he was eight, he said, I'm gonna walk in the way of David. But when he was 16, notice what it says in 2 Chronicles 34 and verse number uh, 3. I've, I didn't have my, I don't have my paper clips today, and my pages are blowing everywhere. I thought it was going to be a nice, warm, calm, sunny day, but welcome to the Arctic blast, huh, coming through. Verse number uh, 3, the Bible says, In the eighth year of his reign, he's 16 years old, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Notice the difference there. When he was 8, he said, I'm going to walk in the way of David. But when he was 16, he said, I'm going to seek after the God of David. He wasn't just following David anymore. Now he says, I'm following the God of David. I'm following after God. And we need some 16-year-olds. We need you to seek after God. You can't wait till you're an adult. You can't wait till you're 18. You can't wait till you graduate. You can't wait till you're married. You can't wait till you have kids. You can live for God at 16 years old. And Josiah did. It's amazing to me how that Josiah said, I want to seek God for myself. Yeah, I'm glad that David knew God, but I've got to know the God of David. Josiah was seeking God, what was important to God, what God wanted, what pleased God. Then the Bible says when Josiah was 20, notice with me in verse number four, the Bible says, excuse me, verse number three, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was young, he began to seek the Lord. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the, what? The high places and the groves, and the carved images, and the molten images. I see not only his deeds, not only his direction, I see his desire. His desire was to seek God. And as he began to seek God, he realized there were some things that had to be removed from Judah. He began to purge. That word purge, it means to clean. It means to cleanse. It means to purify. Before you can clean something, you have to identify what needs to be clean. 
And Josiah said, there's some things going on in Judah that are not pleasing God. There are some things going on in this nation that are not pleasing to God. And Josiah said, it's house cleaning time. It's time for some spring cleaning. He identified the high places. We talked about the high places already and how this had been a problem and this had been a trend and this had been ongoing in Israel and Judah. But Josiah said, enough is enough. We can't have worshiping God and the high places. It's one or the other. Something has got to be purged. I wonder this morning, what are your high places? You see, high places can be things that are good intentions. High places may be something that's not wicked and sinful in and of itself. There was nothing, there was nothing wicked about the actual location where God's people said, hey, we want to worship God in this spot. This spot looks like a good spot. Hey, this is all right. We like this particular spot of ground. There's nothing wrong with the particular spot, but that spot became synonymous with false gods and worshiping idols and worshiping images. And I don't know what it is in your life, and maybe especially in these last few months, maybe there have been some things that uh, you've had in your life that maybe they've kind of crept in. And normally they wouldn't. And normally you wouldn't have had this or you would have seen it coming. But things have been so crazy that you've allowed some things to come in. But those high places are now beginning to crowd out the worship of God. Josiah said, we got to get rid of the high places. He said, we got to break down the altars. We've got to get rid of all of these things that keep us from God. I wonder this morning, what's your idol? Can I tell you, everybody has idols in their life. Because an idol is not just a statue that's made of wood or made of stone, but an idol is anything that takes the place of God. Your idol today, it could be your job. Your idol could be a person. Your idol could be a hobby. Uh, I think many people in our nation, I think their idol has been sports. And maybe, maybe these last few months have been good for all of us just to realize that there's more important things in life than sports. There's more important things in life than our hobbies. There's more important things in life than those entertainments that we have. But Josiah said it's time to purge. The Bible says he destroyed these things. You say, well, why did he have to be so fanatical? Why did he have to be so extreme? He destroyed them so it wouldn't be easy to go back and pick them back up and use them again. Maybe you've got some things in your life that have become idols. Can I encourage you? Don't just put them in the closet. Don't just put them in a drawer. Don't just put it on a shelf. Get rid of it. Get it out of your home. Get it out of your life. Get it off your computer. Get it off your television. Or maybe if you can't get it off, maybe you need to get rid of the whole computer. Maybe you need to get rid of the whole television. Maybe if that's the thing that comes between you and God, I don't know what it is. But I know there's some purging that needs to go on. You see, this was phase one. For Josiah, he was trying to get people back to God, but he said before we can get back to God, we have got to purge some things from our lives. The Bible says that he cut down the altars, he made them dust, he beat them into powder, he, he cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. But I want you to see not only the destruction, but I want you to notice next here, I got my page here somewhere. You say, why are you being so careful? Because I don't want them all to blow away. I'd rather them be stuck together than be out on Bowling Road. There are two pages there, I think. 
Yep, I see it. It's coming. Are you ready? Brother uh, Dan, remind me next week to bring my paper clips, if you don't mind, brother. We thought of everything else today. But they had to clean. They had to purge. Can I tell you, there might be some things in your life that God wants to purge. Maybe it's something nobody else knows about. Maybe it's something that your spouse doesn't know. Maybe it's something that your parents don't know. Maybe it's something that your children don't know. But God knows. You say, well, what's so significant about Josiah purging? Remember what it says when he was eight that he walked in the way of David, his father? Well, guess who was very good at purging things? It was David. Because after David sinned with Bathsheba, he cried out to God and he said, God, would you please create in me a clean heart? Renew a right spirit within me. Purge me, David said. And Josiah said, there's got to be some purging. You see, revival is serious. Getting right with God is serious business. Revival is not a time slot on a schedule. It's not an event on a calendar, but revival is something that has to take place in our hearts. It's something that's got to be real in our lives. And revival must start on the inside and then work its way to the outside. And Josiah said, we've got to get things right. But first, we must get rid of the sin. I wonder what sin in your life needs to be confessed and cleansed. We are getting back into church. And I say getting back into church. We, we've not been out of church because I, I think we've, we've seen God do some great things through a live stream. I think we've seen God do great things through a radio and through a drive-in service and under the tent. And for those that are not here today, you're not out of church because you're at home watching if that's what you need to do. But I'll tell you this, it takes some commitment to stay in church. It takes some commitment when you're at home to say at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, I'm tuning into Sunday school. 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, I'm tuning in. And Sunday night at 6 o'clock and Wednesday night, I'm tuning in or I'm, I'm listening to the radio because there's a lot of things that can come in and, and, and distract and a lot of things that can come and keep us from the best. I'm thankful for many that have stayed in church during this time. I'm thankful for how God's people have been faithful and encouraging and how God's people have been so good. But I'll tell you this, there are some people that got out of church before the coronavirus ever came. There are some people, we don't know yet, we'll see, but there may be some who got out during the coronavirus. And there may be some who are, have stayed through, it, through this, but maybe after we'll get out. Can I tell you why I talk so much about the church, and especially in recent days? Because I believe the church is the answer. I believe getting back to God's house and getting under the preaching and teaching of, of God's word is the answer. You say, well, pastor, we can have church at home. No, you can't. Because God's plan was that you and I would assemble, that we would come together. And when we come together, we come together and we worship God and we come together and we encourage each other and we come together and we have Sunday school and we have preaching and teaching and uh, we, we uh, have uh, people to get baptized and we organize to go out and run buses and teach junior churches and preach the gospel and see people saved. The church is the answer. The church is God's plan. It is God's plan for God's people to be in his house. It's the answer for our country. I mentioned at the beginning that in our nation, things are really bad. But I'll tell you this, things aren't going to get better until God's people get serious about church. 
And if you think when I say church, if you think I mean to come sit on a pew and punch your time card and put in your time, that's not what I mean by church. I'm talking about coming to church, desiring God to speak, and coming to church and, and hearing the preaching and responding. And I'm talking about coming to church and letting God work. And I'm talking about coming to church and church makes a difference in our lives. And we take it home with us and we live in our homes the way that God wants us to live. Oh, we must, we must have the house of God, God's people. We're not worshiping God like what they should have because there were other gods that had taken the place. I see that Josiah made a decision. Verse number 8, it says that Josiah sent men to repair the house of God. Can I tell you, we must get the house of God repaired. And I'm not talking about we got sinks that are leaking or I'm not talking about we got doors that are squeaky or any. I'm talking about we must get things right with God's people in God's house. Can I tell you it's the answer? You say, what's going to change our country? What's going to change this world? What's going to give our children something to look forward to and, and, and a land where they can live and where they can worship God for what's it going to take I'll tell you what it's going to take it's going to take some purging it's going to take some people seeking God it's going to take some Josiah's it's going to take some David's it's going to take some people that will be serious about God Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.